Welcome to a talk about effective meditation by Alan Armstrong. In this talk, I will address two important elements involved in effective meditation. The first concerns relaxation, because effective meditation requires a stable biological platform. And the second concerns concentration, because it is through concentration that we overcome the transient activities of our mind, much of which is concerned with our earthly survival, which is based upon our ability to respond to real or imagined threats. Typically, our response to threatening situations is either to fight or to run away, and is consequently known as the fight-flight mechanism. It is our instinctive response to danger. It is a mechanism that is governed by the autonomic nervous system, which consists of two interlinked systems, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system serves the fight-flight mechanism. It is the physiological basis of our ability to respond and adapt to stimulation, either pain or pleasure. It controls the upper limits of physical activity, generating a state of arousal and activity that initiates movement concerned with survival. Some of its functions include stopping digestion, opening the airways of the lungs and increasing our heart rate and blood pressure. The parasympathetic nervous system controls the lower limits of physical activity and is responsible for maintaining and conserving the body's resources. It regulates physiological maintenance, including processes such as cell growth, digestion, relaxation and sleep. Some of the functions of this system include the storage of vital resources, promoting digestion, the distribution of nutrients, the constriction of bronchi and the slowing of respiration and the decrease of heart rate and blood pressure. Recognising how this subtle mechanism works is fundamental to our understanding of stress because it is a mechanism that is involved with every part of our life. In simple terms, the triggers for this mechanism are the presence of hormones, some of which stimulate the sympathetic nervous system to arouse the body and others which quieten the parasympathetic nervous system and relax the body. Hormones are chemicals that transfer information and instruction between cells, controlling the function of various organs and regulating metabolism, which is the process of converting food into energy. Unlike information sent via the nervous system, which is transmitted very quickly and has an immediate and short-term effect, hormones generally act more slowly and their effects are felt over a longer period of time. It is the endocrinal glandular system that produces most of these hormones and it is the hypothalamus that controls the endocrines by emitting chemicals that either stimulate or suppress hormone secretions from the pituitary gland. Without a little understanding of this chemistry, the incessant demands of life, be they positive anticipations of events, such as enjoying a meal with friends, or perhaps watching a movie, or it may be the stresses of life that dominate our minds, either of which can override our intentions to meditate. 
The term anxiety is often used to describe a subjective experience that is often expressed emotionally, such as tears, aggressive and reactive outbursts, etc. On the other hand, the term worry can usually be related to a specific issue. Yet the difference between anxiety and worry is only a question of focus. It could be argued that anxiety is a negative anticipation of possible events and worry is a negative anticipation of an expected event or events. The chemistry is the same in either case. An increase in the activity of the sympathetic nervous system via the fight-flight mechanism. Thus rumours of imminent redundancies at work may be interpreted as a threat to the security and well-being of our lifestyle and family. Indeed, the very thought of the implications may ramp up the activity of the sympathetic nervous system and generate a state of anxiety. When there is no immediate threat to deal with, as may well be the case with rumours, The chemistry of the fight-flight mechanism is given no form of expression that might indicate closure. Thus tension and anxiety is maintained, resulting in a build-up of symptoms such as adrenaline being pumped into the blood, metabolism increasing, the heartbeat is increased to carry extra oxygen to cells, breathing becomes rapid and shallow, the liver releases sugar into the blood, reduction of blood flow to digestive organs, hands and feet, blood flow to the brain and major muscles are increased, the senses are heightened, particularly the eyes which dilate to allow more light to enter, muscles tense ready for movement, and diarrhoea and constipation. These are major contributors to stress, and if prolonged or unresolved, will result in a decrease in general performance and a range of debilitating and potential life-threatening illnesses and diseases. Some of the causes of anxiety and stress include the death of someone close, divorce or separation, moving home, work insecurity, financial insecurity, health problems, increasing responsibilities, domestic strife, poor performance at work, and childcare issues. I'm sure there are many more, but these are enough, don't you think? Anxiety and stress is a barometer of the activities of the sympathetic nervous system. It is something we commonly perceive by feeling. How we feel influences what we think, and what we think influences our feelings. Consequently, if the thought is negatively charged, such as in the redundancy example given earlier, then the sympathetic nervous system will engage and our feelings will be full of anxiety, which will negatively reinforce our interpretation of the possibility of redundancy, thereby establishing a vicious cycle. Recognising this cyclic process is the first step in identifying and thereafter acknowledging anxiety. Once recognised, it is possible to modify the cycle either to take the negative charge out of it or even to give it a positive charge through thinking positively. The question is, how do we do that? And two methods come to mind, although there are many others. First is breath control. One of the most notable features of anxiety and typical of the sympathetic nervous system 
is rapid or shallow breathing. In contrast, one of the main characteristics of the parasympathetic nervous system is slow, deep breathing. Learning to work with the parasympathetic nervous system to slow down and deepen our breathing, to develop it as a coping mechanism in our everyday activities, should be considered as an evolutionary quantum leap, and it's not difficult to engage with. The key to activating the parasympathetic nervous system is simply a process of consciously slowing down breathing and deepening it and combining it with a method of relaxation. Managing the rate and depth of breathing is central to relaxation and controlling both the autonomic nervous system and the endocrines. There are many different approaches to breathing effectively, but all depend upon the full use of the lungs. Imagine the lungs as a balloon. Place your hand on your stomach, just above the navel. Breathe in through your nose. You should feel the stomach expand. And when you breathe out through your nose, you should feel it contract. This is the diaphragm at work. Place your other hand on the upper area of your chest. When you breathe in, you should feel it rise. And when you breathe out, you should feel it contract. When the diaphragm and upper chest are working in conjunction, then you are breathing effectively. Breathing exercise number one. Inhale gently through the nostrils. The breath must be full, but not strained. Hold the breath for a moment. Exhale gently through the nostrils, emptying the lungs completely. Hold the breath for a moment, then inhale gently, allowing the breath to flow gently and easily. It will soon find its own rhythm. Force nothing. One whole cycle includes inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Relaxation exercise number one. The purpose of this exercise is to develop a physiological mechanism that harnesses the parasympathetic nervous system. Step one. Sit in a firm but comfortable chair, ensuring the spine is straight and that the head is balanced comfortably without leaning too far forward or backward. Commence the above breathing exercise until the breath is flowing gently and easily. Step 2. Focus your attention upon your feet. Tense them, relax them, and imagine all of the muscles of your feet loosening and becoming limp. Take your time, coordinate this and all subsequent steps with two or three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 3. Focus your attention upon your ankles. Tense them, then relax them and imagine the muscles in your ankles loosening and becoming limp. Step 4. Focus your attention upon your calves, tense them, then relax them and imagine the muscles in your calves loosening and becoming limp. Step 5. Focus your attention upon your knees and thighs. Tense them, then relax them and imagine the muscles in them loosening and becoming limp. Step 6. Focus your attention upon your lower abdomen. Tense the muscles thereabouts, then relax them 
and imagine all of the muscles therein loosening and becoming limp. Step 7. Focus your attention upon the muscles around your solar plexus. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine all of these muscles loosening and becoming limp. Step 8. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your back. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine them loosening and becoming limp. Step 9. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your chest. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine all of them loosening and becoming limp. Step 10. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your fingers and arms. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine all of them loosening and becoming limp. Step 11. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your neck. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine all of the muscles of your neck loosening and becoming limp. Step 12. Focus your attention upon the muscles on and around your head. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine them loosening and becoming limp. Step 13. Focus your attention upon the muscles around your eyes. Tense them, then relax them, and imagine them loosening and becoming limp. Step 14. Focus your attention on the muscles of your face and jaw. Tense them, then relax them and imagine them loosening and becoming limp. Step 15. Focus your attention on the tongue. Tense it, then relax it and imagine it loosening and becoming limp. Step 16. Now focus your attention upon your whole body. Take note of how you feel and observe the influence that the ebb and flow of your breath has upon your overall condition. Allow the rhythm of your breathing to deepen the feeling of relaxation in your muscles. Breathing exercise number two. This exercise is an extension of the first. It is designed to reduce the breathing rate to approximately four breaths per minute and deepen your relaxation. Inhale gently through the nostrils, whilst mentally counting 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. Hold your breath for about the same length of time as the inhalation. Exhale gently through the nostrils, emptying the lungs completely. As in exercise 1, allow the breath to flow gently and easily. It will soon find its own level. Force nothing. One whole cycle includes inhale, hold, exhale, hold, and takes roughly 14 to 16 seconds. Relaxation exercise number two. The purpose of this exercise is to reduce muscular tension to the bare minimum. Step one. As before, sit comfortably in a firm seat, ensuring that the spine is straight and that the head is balanced comfortably, without leaning too far forward or backward. Commence the above breathing exercise until the breath is flowing gently and easily. Step 2. Focus your attention upon your feet. On the in-breath, focus all of your attention upon your feet and ankles, and imagine all the vital energy 
withdrawing from your feet and ankles into your calves. On the outbreath, imagine your feet and ankles letting go of all muscle tone. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 3. Focus your attention upon your legs. On the in-breath, focus all of your attention upon your legs and mentally withdraw all the vital energy from them into your lower abdomen. On the out-breath, imagine your legs letting go of all muscle tone. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 4. Focus your attention upon your lower abdomen. On the in-breath, mentally withdraw all vital energy from it into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all the muscle tone in your lower abdomen. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 5. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your back. On the in-breath, mentally withdraw all vital energy from them into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in your back. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 6. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your hands. On the in-breath, mentally withdraw all vital energy from them into your arms. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in your arms. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 7. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your arms and on the in-breath, mentally withdraw all the vital energy from them into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in your arms and do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 8. Focus your attention on the muscles of your face, jaw and tongue. On the in-breath, Mentally withdraw all vital energy from them into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in face, jaw and tongue. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 9. Focus your attention upon the muscles of your neck. On the in-breath, mentally withdraw all vital energy from them into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in your neck. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Step 10. Now focus your attention upon your whole body. On the in-breath, mentally withdraw all vital energy from the body into your solar plexus. On the out-breath, imagine letting go of all muscle tone in your body. Do this for three cycles of the breathing exercise. Take note of how you feel and observe the influence that the ebb and flow of your breath has upon your overall condition. Allow the rhythm of your breathing to deepen the feeling of relaxation in your muscles. Allow any everyday worry or concern that you may have to fade away with the exhalation of your breath. Imagine them dissipating as your relaxation deepens. Enjoy the experience. After a few minutes practicing this exercise, allow your breathing to find its own level and rhythm.
When I first began meditation, I was instructed to use the first breathing and relaxation exercise until I was comfortable with it, and only when I was comfortable with it to consider using the second breathing and relaxation exercise. I found that I could use the first exercise just about anywhere, especially at interviews for jobs, etc. But with regards to the second exercise, I found the best time for me was when I had gone to bed. It helped me in many ways, including getting a good night's rest to thinking through past and future events. The second method I would draw your attention to is the use of affirmations. An affirmation is an assertion. Some affirmations are conscious assertions, such as I like tea. However, many affirmations are deeply embedded within the mind, and to all intents and purposes, we are unconscious of their role in our lives. All affirmations influence our thinking, and clearly many of our thoughts are negative. Unfortunately, every negative thought or word constitutes a negative affirmation, and because we are frequently emotionally attached to them, we find them easier to live with. They influence the way we think and feel about things, therefore replacing them with more constructive beliefs and ideas will affect positive change in our everyday life. Positive affirmations are typically short positive statements used to replace negative beliefs and attitudes and the more determined the individual is to make changes and let go of negative thoughts and attitudes, the more effective the affirmation will be. Designing and using an affirmation is more than constructing a sentence and repeating it. It is a process that begins with developing an awareness of our thinking and the attitude that conditions our everyday life. Start by giving some time to thinking about the changes you want to make in your life. Construct a selection of positive statements for each change. They should be positive and in the present tense. An effective way of using an affirmation is to utter it out aloud, privately of course, or sing it. An affirmation used as a musical round within a group is a very powerful tool. Another effective way of keeping an affirmation at the forefront of the mind is to write it down, leaving a note in a conspicuous place where you will notice it throughout the day. There follows a few examples of affirmations. However, the best affirmations will undoubtedly come from your own mind. Affirmation 1. I rejoice in the light of the morning, in the warmth of the noonday sun, I rest in the fall of the evening and in the deeps of the peaceful night. Affirmation 2. My body is healing quickly and easily. Affirmation 3. My mind is healing quickly and easily. Affirmation 4. My soul is healing quickly and easily. Affirmation 5. I am at peace with myself and the world. Affirmation 6. I trust in life, in the light and in the power of love. The next element in effective meditation concerns concentration. The mental disciplines of concentration 
too lengthy to deal with in this talk, are dealt with extensively in my book Notes on Meditation. Such disciplines have many secular applications. However, here it is my intention to discuss a more spiritual approach to concentration. It is my experience that within the cloisters of most, if not all, faiths, the continuous repetition of a phrase or mantra has ever been an effective way of focusing the attention on spiritual things. It does not matter so much if the attention wanders. That is to be expected, especially at the beginning. Most teachers advocate gently bringing the attention back to the phrase or mantra being employed. Consistency and resilience develop over time. The use of short phrases or mantras serves two purposes. The first directs the attention away from secular concerns, and the second focuses the attention upon the spiritual verities embodied in the phrase or mantra. Some schools advocate repeating a verse from the Bible, such as one of the Proverbs, or a line from the Bhagavad Gita, or perhaps a verse from the Tao Te Ching. Indeed, the choice of spiritual readings is vast. Others prefer to use rosary beads or the prayer of the heart beads. Members of the fellowship will find on the sanctuary website, under videos, examples of the prayer of the heart, by which I mean the Jesus prayer, chanted in Hebrew, and the Christos litany, chanted in English. Alternatively, there are many Hindu and Buddhist mantras, perhaps the most well-known being Om, which alludes to the divine reality, or the more extensive Buddhist mantra Om Mani Padmi Om, which is commonly understood to mean the jewel in the lotus. However, more extensive research will show that its meaning goes far deeper. The lotus representing mind, both cosmic and human. The jewel representing the divine reality contained therein. Another mantra is Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, meaning divine peace, peace, peace. Many of these methods use beads to keep count, but they also act as a psychometric storehouse that enhances the meditative process. Psychometry is the term used to describe the capability of all material things to collect and store impressions, by which I mean memories. Thus the beads become a reservoir of thoughts, images and sensations of a very specific nature. To take advantage of this psychometric potential requires that one be able to either read the memories that have been impressed upon the beads or to be able to impose new memories upon them. It's an ability that improves with practice and a little patience. The method of repeating a phrase or a mantra as a widespread and distinguished pedigree, ranging, to name but a few, from ancient India, Tibet and China, where it is more commonly known as a mantra, to Egypt and the Levant, where it is known as a monologistic prayer, which deeply influenced the desert monastic communities. It eventually entered Europe through the influence of John Cassian, who was instrumental in bringing monasticism of the Levant to the West. In summary, 
Those who are truly interested in the spiritual life will find in the method described in this talk a tried and tested path of spiritual development. However, it is important to first develop some proficiency in breath control and relaxation and to recognise the biological impact of the stresses of daily life before engaging in using a mantra or monologistic prayer. For those who wish to know more about meditative spirituality, see Notes on Meditation or Spiritualize Your Life or The Path of Western Spirituality, all of which may be found on www.imagier.co.uk. We have now come to the end of this brief talk on the subject of meditation. I thank you very much for listening.